Back to Christmas according to Dickens. Uh, the whole series of messages this uh, Advent season has been based, uh, stems from uh, the little book, A Christmas Carol, uh, written by Dickens some 176 years ago. It's still very much relevant. We watch it every year. It's a delightful story. And so the title today is uh, The Ghost of Christmas Present. And I want to I read to you a, a couple of short selections from, uh, from the Dickens a book, A Christmas Carol, and it's from uh, the, the chapter that's the ghost of Christmas present. And the setting is, if you'll remember, he's already had the ghost of Christmas past, and now the ghost of Christmas present shows up, and he takes him and shows him various things that's going on in the world that day in his, his time. And uh, the, one of the places he goes... Uh, he, and takes Scrooge with him to give Scrooge a peek into Bob Cratchit's family, their Christmas celebration, their Christmas dinner on, on Christmas Day. And remember, Bob Cratchit is uh, uh, employed by Scrooge, terribly underpaid, terribly abused by Scrooge, and so uh, now he gets to look at him and uh, in on his family. So just a selection. In came Bob. The father, his threadbare clothes darned up and brushed to look seasonable. And Tiny Tim upon his shoulder, alas, for Tiny Tim, he bore a little crutch and had his limbs supported by an iron frame. And how did Tim behave? asked Mrs. Cratchit. As good as gold, said Bob, and better. He told me coming home that he hoped that people saw him in the church because he was a cripple, and it might be pleasant to them to remember upon Christmas Day who made lame beggars walk and blind men see. Peter and the two ubiquitous young Cratchits went to fetch the goose with which they soon returned in high procession. At last the dishes were set and grace was said. It was succeeded by a breathless pause as Mrs. Cratchit holding slowly, looking slowly along the carving knife, prepared to plunge it in. And when she did, a long-expected gush of stuffing issued forth. One murmur of delight arose from all around the board. Even Tiny Tim beat on the table with the handle of his knife and feebly cried, Hurrah! Bob said he didn't believe there ever was such a goose cooked. Then Bob proposed, a Merry Christmas to us all, my dears. God bless us, which all the family echoed. God bless us, everyone, said Tiny Tim, last of all. Well, the ghost of Christmas present wasn't done. He took Scrooge to some other places, and then finally, at the end of his visit, he had one more thing to show Scrooge. From the foldings of its robe, it brought two children, wretched, abject, frightful, hideous, miserable. They knelt down at its feet and clung upon the outside of its garment. Look, look down here, exclaimed the ghost. They were a boy and a girl, yellow, meager, ragged, scowling, wolfish, but prostrate too in their humility. Scrooge started appalled. He tried to say they were fine children, but the words choked themselves Spirit, are they yours? 
They are man's, said the Spirit, looking down upon them. This boy is ignorance. This girl is want. Have they no refuge or resource, cried Scrooge. Are there no prisons, said the Spirit, turning on him for the last time with his own words. Are there no workhouses? The ghost of Christmas present shows Scrooge the striking contrast between the great joy of Christmas and yet the terrible suffering that remains in the world. Scrooge witnesses the delightful dinner of the Cratchits in spite of their poverty. They celebrate Christmas and love prevails in their family and love prevails in their hearts even for old Scrooge. Well, Mrs. Cratchit struggled with that a little bit. The ghost also shows him the two creatures under his robe, emaciated children who represent ignorance and poverty. Christ delivers joy to all who put their faith in him regardless of present circumstances. And he commissions his church to address the suffering that remains in the world. At Christmas we sing for joy, For Christ is born. And then we reach out to the poor and the afflicted with material help and the gospel. Dickens' story is about the redemption of Scrooge. What it took to transform a hard, greedy, loveless soul into a born-again man filled with compassion and joy. Now, there's another redemption story. There's several, in fact, and one in particular in the Gospel of Luke that we're going to look at today. So let's see what it takes to bring salvation to another man, a hard, greedy, loveless soul. And I want to tell you the story rather than read it to you. But it comes from Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. So if you want to go check me out, you know, if you want to fact check me later, uh, you can. But I've got the story down pretty good, I think. It begins with Jesus showing up in Jericho. And Luke tells us that Jesus was traveling through Jericho. He was on his way somewhere. Where, where was he going? Well, he's on his way to Jerusalem. This, the, the Passover feast was, was coming. And so pilgrims from all over the Roman world were heading to Jerusalem. And so there was a crowd of people, not only with Jesus, but a crowd of people who just happened to be on the same road. So Jesus, he's headed through Jericho, and then we find out that there's, there's a man who lived in Jericho. His name was Zacchaeus. And a few facts about Zacchaeus that are very important to us here. First, he was a chief tax collector, and he was rich, very wealthy. So Zacchaeus, not a popular man in his city, he heard that Jesus, this, this famous teacher, was coming through Jericho, his town. And he wanted to see Jesus. And so he tried to work his way through the crowded streets and the, the people to, to get an eye on Jesus because he wasn't a very tall man. Insert your own joke there. because uh, 
He's not a tall man, and so he wants to see Jesus. He can't get through the crowd to get to the front to actually see Jesus. So he thinks, well, I'll go ahead of where they're going. So he goes ahead, uh, and he climbs into a tree, a sycamore tree that was by the road so that he would have his spot, and when the crowd came by, he'd get an up-close personal view of Jesus, this famous teacher from Nazareth. And so that's what he does. He goes and he, he climbs the tree, and sure enough, the crowd begins to pass by, and here comes Jesus. And what does Jesus do? He stops right at the tree. He looks up and he says, Zacchaeus, what are you doing in that tree? Come down immediately, right now. Come down, Zacchaeus, because I must stay at your house today. Well, Zacchaeus, he's, he's thrilled. So he hops down out of the tree and and he, he says, yes, Lord, come, come to my house. I, I'm so honored that you would come to my house. And he welcomes Jesus cheerfully, joyfully to his house. But there were some in the crowd, the self-righteous types, you know, who were grumbling about that. They were grumbling, complaining that, well, what kind of prophet from God would hang out with scum like Zacchaeus. Doesn't he know that Zacchaeus is a crook? Doesn't he know that Zacchaeus is a terrible excuse for a human being? Doesn't he know this man? Now, Jesus goes to the house of Zacchaeus, and, and Zacchaeus, I imagine, had his servants uh, uh, hustle about and provide food and, and drink for Jesus and, and, and Jesus' disciples and those who were, were with him. And they have this dinner. And right in the middle of the dinner, Zacchaeus stands up and he says, Look, Lord, look, this day I commit to giving half of everything I have to the poor. And, and if I have cheated anyone out of anything, and everybody knows I have, I'm going to reimburse them. I'm going to make up for I'm going to give them four times whatever I cheated them from. And Jesus laughed and he said, Salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. That's the last verse. It's a great story. It's a great redemption story. And what, what do we learn from it? We learn about how redemption works, how salvation comes. Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. Now, you have to understand, this is the worst kind of rich man. This was not somebody who got rich through honest hard work, honest business, he got rich off the backs of the poor, shaking them down for everything he could get with the uh, brute force of Rome behind him. You see, how this worked was that the, the Romans would come and, and they would appoint someone or someone would kind of buy a contract to be the tax collector for that particular uh, town or, or village. And so the Romans would say, you have to collect X amount uh, of, of money uh, for us. And anything above that that you can, you can weasel out of people, well, that's yours to keep. And so there was motivation for corruption, motivation to overcharge, motivation to cheat people. That was, that was Zacchaeus. 
He got rich off the backs of the poor. Earlier in Luke's gospel, Jesus says, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Luke includes this story about Zacchaeus, I think, to show how Christ can indeed do the impossible. Zacchaeus is a shocking example of it. No one is beyond the saving grace of God. That's kind of a side uh, point in, in the message today. Nobody is beyond the grace of God, the redemption of God. And sometimes it's tempting to write some folks off and think, well, but God never does that. Zacchaeus, he needed redemption every bit as much as well, every bit as much as Scrooge in the story, A Christmas Carol. Jesus announces, today salvation has come to this house. Now, how did that happen? How did salvation come to Zacchaeus' house? How does salvation, the salvation of God, come to anyone's house, to anyone's heart? Well, I think there's, I want to break the story down into four parts here. Salvation comes when Jesus comes to town. Luke tells us Jesus was passing through Jericho. He's on his way to Jerusalem, on his way to celebrate the Passover there, and he's on his way to a cross. He knows this. On the cross, he would pay the price for Zacchaeus' salvation and ours. There is no salvation for Zacchaeus, and there's no salvation for any of us if Jesus dodges the cross. So we must never forget that our salvation, our redemption, it's free to us. We receive it by God's grace through faith, but it's costly to God. It's costly to Jesus. The incarnation, God becoming human, one of us, that's the big truth. That's the primary thing. That's the main thing at Christmas. And that's worth celebrating. I like the way Ann Voskamp puts it in her little book, The Greatest Gift, which is a, an Advent uh, uh, kind of study guide with uh, devotional. And in it, Ann Voskamp writes, He is the God who is so for us that He can't stay away from us. The God who loves us and likes us and isn't merely 50% or 72.3% for us, but the God who is always, unequivocally, 100% for us. The God who so likes us, the God who is so for us, that He is the God who chooses to be with us. Christmas is about God doing whatever it takes to be with us. And I think part of the marvelous message of the gospel is that that's true for each one of us. And sometimes we have a hard time believing that. Sometimes we have a hard time believing I'm a special child in the eyes of God, my Heavenly Father, and you are. And the fact that Jesus was born, the fact that God became human, that proves it, that demonstrates it. He passed through the unexceptional, dirty little border town of Jericho, showing his determination to go anywhere to bring salvation to anyone, including you. Then Jesus seeks out Zacchaeus. It gets really personal. 
for Zacchaeus. While Zacchaeus is trying to get a glimpse of the celebrity teacher everyone's talking about, Jesus was already seeking him out, picked him out of the crowd. He could have walked up to the little man in the tree and said, you're nuts, and then moved on, but he didn't. He stopped. He looked up at him, and he announced, Zacchaeus, come on down from that tree. I'm going to your house today. I want to stay at your house. I think of it as sort of an altar call for one. You know what those altar calls are, right? Church with the pastor at the end of the day says, all right, everybody who needs Jesus, come on down front. I'm, you know, honestly not that big a fan of that, although occasionally we'll do an altar call. But I do think and I do believe that you've got to hear, each one of us must hear the voice of the living God speaking deep into our hearts and minds, calling us. The key word in uh, that last uh, line or in that, that line of I must stay at your house is meno in it, the Greek word. It's translated stay in the NIV as in I must stay at your house, uh, Zacchaeus. The King James translates it abide, which I like a little better than, than stay. Abide has a sense of longevity to it perhaps because the word meno means, it means remain. It's not a visit. It's come to hang out there, stay there, abide there. Jesus intends to be more than a guest at Zacchaeus' house. He intends to remain there. Jesus was seeking Zacchaeus before the tax collector ever thought about climbing a tree to see Jesus. He always initiates the relationship. Open the eyes of your heart to all the ways in which God is seeking you. He has come to town, and he knows your name. He's seeking you. And then Zacchaeus welcomed Jesus. I mean, at first, I think, I think he's just curious. He wanted to see Jesus. People were talking about him. I want to see this guy. Maybe he'll do a trick or something, heal somebody or whatever. Who, who knows? He wanted to see him like we might want to see a celebrity who comes to town. But I, I suspect it was more than that. That there was something more. That he was looking for something more in life. And he hoped that Jesus maybe held the key. Well, as it turns out, Jesus was the key. There was a deep hunger in his soul that I don't think anybody else knew was there. And the news that Jesus was passing through his town, I think that triggered that hunger. It brought it to the surface. Now we can all get pretty caught up with work, work that is good, family that is good, even recreation that is good, and other things. We get caught up in just living life, and sometimes if, if we stay busy enough, we don't realize that deep, down inside, we're hungry. And then something happens. There's a hard stop, so to speak, in life. An emptiness when you get to the top of the career ladder. It's like, oh, I thought this, well, it's not what I thought. The death of a loved one. An illness or an injury that forces a hard stop. And suddenly we realize, I'm hungry. I'm empty. Zacchaeus was willing to go to 
the extreme, just to get a glimpse of Jesus. That's what hungry people do. A hungry person might climb a tree, might even accept an invitation to church. So Zacchaeus, he welcomed Jesus gladly. His heart was filled with joy. It implies this joyful greeting and welcome with a merry heart. The heart must be willing to welcome Jesus, entertain Jesus, hear him out, consider his claims, decide for oneself who he really is. What will you do with Jesus? And then finally, Zacchaeus, in this grand moment in the story, he publicly declared his faith in Christ. And how did he do it? Did he say, you know, the magic words, I know I believe in you, that you are the Son of God, and so on? No, not yet. But he makes this statement that demonstrates faith in Christ. It includes repentance. He did not claim to believe in Jesus and want to honor Jesus and yet refused to make any changes in his life. He took action on the basis of his faith in Jesus. He gave to the poor. He made restitution to those he had cheated. He made right the wrongs he had done as far as he was able. And his new life, well, it was characterized by giving rather than taking. Generosity triumphed over greed in that little man's life. The bottom line is the last line. Luke 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. Who does the seeking? Does God seek us or do we seek God? Well, the Christmas story makes it crystal clear that it's God who comes seeking us before we ever thought of Him. So, if it's God who seeks us out, then why are we urged to seek God in different places in the Scripture? I mean, because we are. You know, Jesus Himself said, you know, seek first the kingdom of God. Uh, Jesus said, uh, ask and it will be given. Knock and the door will be opened. Seek and you shall find. So, so how, how does that work out? Well, in this little story about Zacchaeus, in, in verse 3 of Luke 19, Luke uses this word zeteo. And it's the Greek word that means to seek or desire or inquire in describing Zacchaeus' actions and running ahead and climbing into the tree so that he could see Jesus. And then in verse 10, Luke quotes Jesus using the very same word. The Son of Man came to seek, zeteo, and save the lost. Now, look, let's be honest. We can debate the sovereignty of God versus the freedom of humanity for another 2,000 years and still not get it exactly right, still not understand it completely. I think there are some things that we have to accept by faith, some things that... uh, But one thing's clear from this text. Jesus took the initiative, but Zacchaeus responded, and so must you. See, the joy of the Cratchit family well, it was in the presence of Christ in their midst. And when you read the story, the expanded version, which I was really tempted to take five minutes to read to you, you see how poor the Cratchits were. 
you know, the the very, very poor people. And yet, and yet, there's great joy in their Christmas dinner. They rejoiced with what they had, but the key was the presence of Christ in their midst. They say grace. They thank God for what they have, as meager as it was. Bob shares Tiny Tim's statement about their experience from church because a lot of the movies don't show where they're coming from. You know, when everybody, all the movies show Bob coming in with Tiny Tim on his shoulder. and They're coming from church. That's where they had been. And so Bob shares with with, uh, Tiny Tim's uh, mother that that experience. He says, you know, he, uh, Tiny Tim told me coming home that he hoped the people saw him in the church because he was a cripple. And it might be pleasant to them to remember upon Christmas Day who made lame beggars walk and blind men see. It's one of the things you can't miss when you come to church. You can't miss this. When you look around you and you see people who have all kinds of troubles in their life, they're here because there is a God who is at work in their life. And so when I look around and I see the widows in our church and I know them, and in a lot of cases I did funerals for a spouse for them, they're here. And that should remind us there is a God who brings comfort and hope and peace to every widow who follows him and trusts him. Does that mean it's easy? No, of course not. Was it easy for Tiny Tim? No. But there was a faith that is deep and abiding. And when you see the person who struggles, the person who lost their job, the person who's, whatever that trouble may be, we remember we gather in this place to celebrate a God who is the source of our comfort and our hope and our joy. Love and joy came to Zacchaeus when Jesus came to his house, into his life transformed his heart, transformed his dinner party. Christmas dinner is empty without the presence of Christ. But then again in verse 7, we learn that some in the crowd are kind of disgusted with Jesus because he goes to Zacchaeus' house for dinner. A factual quote in the NIV is he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. The implication is Doesn't he know? And why is he hanging out with such a crooked scum? Well, I wonder what they said after the redemption of Zacchaeus. What was the scuttlebutt when the old skinflint became the most generous man in town? How many of them were surprised at the next week to open their door and there's Zacchaeus there to return the money he had swindled from them times four? Jesus didn't stay at Zacchaeus' house to excuse his sinful ways. He came to redeem him. And he comes to redeem you. Mimi Dixon is a pastor in a Presbyterian church who, who writes, is a part of an Advent uh, reflection thing that I look at occasionally. And 
She writes, when God breaks in, we have a choice. Embrace or reject. Believe or doubt. Either we abandon ourselves to God's path, the steps of which are only revealed as each foot is lifted in obedience, or we cling to our own path with its illusion of certainty. Are you up a tree? Figuratively speaking. You're trying to get a glimpse of Jesus. You're wondering if maybe he holds the key to something deeper in life. He is the key. Are you wondering if there is more to life than materialism, entertainment, preoccupation with ourselves? In other words, are you hungry? Deep inside? The same Jesus who went to Zacchaeus' house and remained in Zacchaeus' heart is knocking at the door of your own heart. Welcome him into your life with joy and serve him out of gratitude. Because the thing to remember about Zacchaeus, he wasn't saved because he gave half his possessions to the poor. And then he went and reimbursed people he cheated. No, no. He was saved, redeemed, and then he went and did that. The salvation comes first and the life change must always follow. So, if you're up a tree trying to get a peek at Jesus, I, I, hope, I hope it's paid off for you today. And I hope the story not only of the redemption of old Scrooge, but the true story of the redemption of Zacchaeus connects with your heart. Welcome him. Serve him. Serve him out of gratitude and joy. So I want to pray, and I would like to invite us all to pray this prayer. Just you pray it silently in your own heart, but I'm going I'm to pray it slowly so you can. And maybe it's a first-time prayer for you, or maybe it's a prayer you just need to remember and pray again and let the Lord God refill you and remind you of His presence. Let's pray. I believe in you, Jesus. I believe you are the living Son of God who died to redeem me from my sins. I believe you want to come into my life and remain with me. So I welcome you. Come in. Bring your hope, your joy, your peace, your love. Pour out your Spirit on me that I may live for you from this day on. Amen. Here's your blessing. May salvation come to your house and your heart and fill you with the love of God this Christmas. Amen.